This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's up, Bible nerds? What up? It's chilly in here. It's ch- it's always chilly in here, man. Yeah, I guess I never realized it. Yeah, we uh actually got a comment from somebody this evening that they weren't totally convinced they liked the tribe name Bible Nerds. Yeah, I don't know. Let us know if you guys like it or not. I'll try to come up with something different if you guys don't. but If you have a better name, just let us know in the comments. Yeah. Or message us on Insta, either one. Yeah. Our Facebook, socials will be linked below. As always. Um, but we, ha- we kicked off a new series last week. Yep. Restoration Stories. Yep. Um... And we're super excited about this series, but this week um, we're going to kind of dive into Second Peter two. Um, For a lot of weeks, we'll be in Second Peter two. Yeah. Um, Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use Second Peter as Second Peter two and Hebrews eleven as the springboards for looking at stories of people. Because basically, what Peter is doing here is he's saying, "Hey, there were some false prophets." but we know this by those that were good. Right. And he gives a list of a lot of people. Here's a problem. You go read those stories. They ain't, uh, they ain't good stories. Yeah. They're actually pretty weird stories a lot of the time. So, and here we are, you know, we live in this culture where, you got two types of people in the world. YOLO kind of person. I'm going to do me and you just got to kind of deal with it. Um, just living for my best life. Yeah. Or you got the people that are really wrapped up in how faulty they are. Yeah. And what I like to tell people all the time is, the closer you get to God, the more aware of your sin you become. And so the closer you get to God, the more terrible of a human being you feel like you are because you're you're astutely aware of this massive gap between God's holiness and, and your sin. And so there are a lot of people that fall somewhere on the spectrum, and I just I want to encourage people like, hey, your job here is not to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people in the Bible that are considered, you know, like patriarchs and fathers of the faith that are just terrible human beings because that's not what it's about. No, it's not. Um, and, and like we, I don't remember, was this last week that we said it um, or was it on a different podcast? I don't remember. Um, the Bible isn't there to tell you that you're a horrible human being, right? right. The Bible is trying to help you realize how to be more like God, right? Um, or, and so, yeah, so I think it's twofold. The Bible's there not to try to tell you how to be a perfect being, but number one, to show you how much God loves you yeah, and to show you how to participate in Godness. Right. And I think all of that is really important to talk about 
Um, because we do get these stories, you know, from um, from Abraham, um, mm-hmm. from from David. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys, big, massive patriarchs of the faith, uh, Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. Um, big patriarchs of the faith. It's got a sketchy past. Yeah. Um, and so what that should tell you is that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. It just matters what you do. Yeah. Not, well, that sounds kind of bad. That's not what I mean. Um, maybe more what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to mean is how are you pursuing God? Mm-hmm. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, that's what matters. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And basically, we're we're picking up with Noah in this in this episode because in Second Peter two verse what is this verse three? Sorry, verse five. Noah is called a herald of righteousness. Yeah. Which is interesting because I want I want to go ahead and detail this out for you if you're not aware. So Adam and Eve are made. Bless you. Excuse me. Ah, first week of April. Man, I'm dying over here. I'm about to sneeze. Bless you. He's got some violent sneezes. Yeah. So, Adam and Eve are made. Adam and Eve sin. And we're only told of one sin of Adam and Eve. Mm, Eating of the fruit. But somehow, their adult children resort to murder. (laughs) I feel like there's some escalation that happens in the life of Adam and Eve, potentially. Well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, boom. Yeah. Right. We get we get their sin. We get God's curse. And in the first like five or six verses of the next chapter, murder. Yeah. Dead. I mean, just jump right for it. So, which there there you're you're right. There has to be some sort of an escalation there. There has to be um, several hundred years between that you know, fill in that gap that we just don't get. Um, Gotta be. Yeah. Gotta be. That, cause you just don't get there, I don't think. No. From eating, eating, eating fruit. a fruit you weren't supposed to eat to murder. Yeah, there's gotta be several years of, several hundred years of escalation before we get there. Yeah, we're just um, not told that in the text. Yeah. I mean, we do know that, that Adam lived to be like, what, like 938 or whatever. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Hey, I was close. <laughs> you were close. You were close. That's old. Dude, I don't want to live to be that old. Yeah, I'm dude. just saying. No, I want to, I want to live to be that old. Uh, the, I mean, my after-death theology is different than most people, but, like, I mean, hey, man, if I die and then wake up and be like, hey, so new heaven on the new earth, I'd be pretty happy. (laughs) Yeah, for real. So, anyways, so you got this kind of escalation of sin, 
And that that's really told in the beginning parts of Genesis chapter 6, where we're introduced to Noah. Yeah. Verse 11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Mm. And God saw that the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I'm determined to make an end of all this, and because the earth is filled with violence and all this stuff. So, interestingly enough here, the text talking about Noah and all the things around Noah seem to be uniquely positioned around violence. Yeah. That there's severe violence that is, excuse me, also corrupt. It's happening around Noah. And that's why God's initiating, like, hey, I've got to get rid of all this. Yeah, got to start over. And for whatever reason, he picks Noah. Which, remember, Peter calls this man a herald of righteousness. Yeah. Is there much better compliment you can get? Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Maybe a man after God's own heart. I mean... I don't know, but he says he's going to destroy them so that, and so Noah should make this ark and he should do this and put this door in it and all this part. I'm going to bring floodwaters, yada, yada, yada. Um, go, go read all that for yourself. Everything that's on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wives, your wife, your son's wives with you. And of every living thing, of all the flesh, you bring two, keep everything alive, yada, yada, yada. And here's where we get the story of Noah and the ark. The two of every animal, his yep. family, all this kind of stuff. Cool. So Noah listens to God. And he does something, right? Like rain hasn't happened yet. At least that's what we're led to believe. That rain hasn't fallen from the sky yet. And yet God's going to choose to do it this way to destroy the earth. Okay, cool. So he goes and he does flood the earth, which. That's an extreme. Well, I can't imagine that dudes are just like chilling in treetops while Noah's on his boat. I feel like people are probably running to him like, hey, yo, Noah, let us in. Yeah. And he's not. Like, got ice in his veins. He he don't care. He's cold. <laughs> God told him, like, not to do it. And so he doesn't. It's really kind of weird, just savage story if you really think about what's probably playing out. Yeah. But God told him to do it. He honored it. And so he's righteous. The flood goes and it goes for 40 days and 40 nights and all this stuff. Noah sends these birds out. There are really good stories here, but for our purposes, we're not, we're not going to cover them. But one of the last stories that we get of Noah and his family is really a quite strange story, isn't it? Yeah, it's so funny. I didn't know that this was the text we were going to do, and we were talking about it at dinner. 
We were talking about it. And I had no idea that this is where we were going, so that's pretty funny. So Noah gets off the boat and really, really weird here. Noah decides that one of the first things that he should do when he gets off the boat is get drunk. Well, not necessarily get drunk, but to make a vineyard. Well, yeah. That that one of the utmost important things that I got to do is I got to get my vineyard started. I got to start growing some grapes. Yeah, that'd be like that'd be like me and you going, "Hey man, we just got to this new place. First thing we got to do, brew some beer. We got to get some <laughs> barley. We got to find a way to grow some <laughs> barley up so we can brew some beer, all right?" Yeah. Uh is all day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what Noah does here. He basically gets off the boat, lets the animals out. I mean, gets some kind of structure and position with his sons, set in stone. And homeboy makes a vineyard. Yep. Also, had to be pretty premeditative to bring seeds from the last go around mm-hmm. to like. Noah had this pretty planned out. I mean, you just think about how this goes. Noah knew what he was doing. Yeah, he was like, I, I I know for a fact all the grapes are going to be dead. All the wine's going to be no good. So whenever I come off that boat, I'm going to need a drink. <laughs> yeah. Now, here, here's the deal. Okay. Once again, really weird story. I'm not even going to try to tell you I know what it means. <laughs> so Noah gets this vineyard. And what do you do from a vineyard? You make wine. Yeah. Right? This is in, this story picks up in Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Or 20, yeah. So he makes some wine and gets just throwed. Dude's plastered. Straight trash. And we know that from verse 22. (laughs) Yeah, verse 22 literally says... Well... Well, no, 21 says he became drunk. Right. Um, And and became uncovered in his tent. He laid uncovered in his tent. So uh, Um, we got to divert here for a second, okay? mm -hmm. Um, You know you're drunk, right? And I know that you've been here, and I know that I've been here. Not proud of it. Not proud of it either. You get so drunk that you're like, you're... Body temperature raises. You're like, gotta take these clothes. I gotta off. strip <laughs> gotta all take these clothes. clothes. Um, you gotta be pretty drunk to get there. You do, and and not just that. Let Let's talk about this word for a minute. So once again, I will tell you time and time again, my Hebrew is not that great. My Greek's pretty good. I do know that there's a difference between being naked and being uncovered. Not sure what it is. I'm just pointing out differences here. <laughs> Not sure what it means, but uh, yeah. If there's any Hebrew scholars that, that watch slash listen, um, let us know if you know. Yep, yep, yep. So anyways, they're chilling. Noah makes a vineyard, gets drunk, takes his clothes off in his tent. And I'm going to just read you what the verse says. Verse 22, Genesis chapter 9, verse 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, 
saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. All right, there's so many different things that could happen there. We don't know what it is. We know that him looked at his dad butt naked. Yeah. Went and told his brothers. And that's all. That's all we know. At this point in the story. At this point in the story. That, that's really all we know. Truth is, as far as the stuff about him, that's all we'll ever know. Yeah. Because when his brothers walk in, they walk in backwards. Right. And they take a towel or like a covering between them and lay it over them. And then Noah wakes up. And the text actually says in verse 24, so all you, all you people who tell me this ain't fermented drink or it doesn't get you drunk, the Bible itself says that he got drunk. And then in verse 24, it says, when Noah awoke from his wine. <laughs> you don't pass out from drinking too much grape juice. I'm sorry. Yeah, and he wakes up from his wine from hungover. He wakes up. Yeah. And he curses Ham. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't know that I will ever understand this story fully. Mm-mm. No, you got drunk, bro. Yeah. It, it, it's not like you got a doorbell he can ring, like, to make sure everything's all good and decent. You're in a tent, bro. Yeah. Passed out drunk. Yeah. We, we don't know, I mean, we know that, like, something had to be done here that was, uh, um, I don't know, disgraceful. Shameful. Shameful, whatever. We know that Ham had to have done something. Something. We just don't know what it is. But then all of a sudden, Noah comes out and says, Cursed be Canaan. <laughs> yeah. Right, like. Straight up. Um, and notice Canaan is the the person that comes from the land of Cana that ends up being conquered yeah. by the Israelites for the promised land. Yeah. I think that's a really important to note. Uh, I also think it's really important to note, and I wrote a paper on this not too long ago, so I'm going to get on a soapbox for one for 60 seconds. Um, those of you who, who try to justify your racism with this passage. Oh, because um, the curse of ham. Mm-hmm. You need to read your Bible better. Yeah. Um, one, God did not, um, God did not curse Ham. No, Noah cursed Ham. Noah co- cursed Ham out of response of Noah's own sin. Yeah. Um, God did not do anything there. That that is not justified. And then also, it is important for you to look at your ancient maps. <laughs> Because yeah. that is where the Israelites end up. Yep. So all of those things need to be taken into account when you try to justify your racism through this passage. Continue. Well, that was good. That wasn't 60 seconds. Um, need to be said, though. But did. So two things here that really come to mind and stick out for me. That was a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Noah gets off the darn boat. Yep. Makes a vineyard and gets so drunk, he passes out naked. That shouldn't be lost on us. Yeah. 
Noah has problems. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just Noah has problems. I mean, let's think about it like this, too. Homeboy just spent, what did, what did the text say, like 150 days or longer than that, probably. Because the, the rain lasted for 40. Yeah, and the water didn't subside for 150, so that's like 190, 200 days. It's over half a year, uh, or about half a year. Um, that's a long time to be on a boat. Well, there's a lot of potential trauma that can happen as you watch the the world around world. you die. Yeah. Um, and you're trapped on this boat. Well, and where you once saw mountains, you see water. Yeah. Like, a lot of trauma can happen. A lot of things going on in your mind. Noah has some problems. Yeah. Don't think that Noah just gets on this cruise for six or six months and is like, la-di-da at the end of it. Like, no. Noah got some problems. The dude probably has a lot of trauma. And so he gets off. And whether he was a drunk before he got on the boat or <laughs> after. became one after, <laughs> he's a drunk by the time he gets off the dang boat. Yeah. So Noah got a lot of problems going on here. And Noah sinned. Yeah. Getting that drunk, I'm pretty sure is a sin. Yeah. But then he chooses, and notice the text nowhere says that God honored this. But he chooses to curse his own son. Yeah. Presumably, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, we're reading between the lines here. But his son walks in on his dad naked, goes and tells his brothers that their dad's naked. They seem to understand that Noah's going to be upset about this. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of the way that they proceed. But does it really justify the curse that he gives? I mean, he says, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of slaves shall he be to his brothers. Yeah. And let Canaan be his slave. Like, really, bro? That's pretty harsh. Yeah. Um... Pretty sure Paul has something where he says, don't provoke your children to anger. Yeah. I mean, like, Noah Noah is by no means perfect. A perfect person. No. I again, because I know this is going to be controversial. People are gonna are probably like shifting their seats listening to this. If you don't believe us, open your Bible and go read Genesis 9. Go no, read the story. Nowhere yeah. in there does it say that God had anything to do with any of this. Mm-mm. Which kind of tells me that everything that happens here is sinful at some level. Or at, at the very least, it's selfish and prideful on Noah's part. Yeah. Which, which is sin. Which is sin. Um, Noah's level of drunkenness is sin. sin. Um, cursing your children in that way, pretty confident sin. Uh, I mean, just the whole thing doesn't seem to be good. And, you know. and mind you, that's the last story we get of Noah. Yeah. Noah goes from chapter six to chapter ten, 
10 being the genealogy after Noah. Yeah. So Noah gets three chapters in a, in a story where he's pretty important. Yeah. And that's the last one we get. Noah is by no means perfect. In fact, Noah seems to be quite a terrible person. I mean... We can say that about a lot of the patriarchs of the faith, though. Well, that's my point. That's my exact point, is... And yet, this person is called, according to Peter, a herald of righteousness. Yep. At least in the last half of a chapter, I don't see anything about Noah that's righteous. Because it's not all about what you do. It's not all about the things that you don't do or you do. It's about your heart towards a desire for obedience to God. You're going to mess it up. I feel pretty confident that Noah messed it up with the curse of Ham. Yeah. And God had to improvise. Yeah. Now, whether God knew he was going to do it beforehand, whatever, like that's improvision there. That that's not what God wanted. No. God never wanted Noah to get drunk and then in response curse his own son because of his own sin. God never wanted Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. Correct. But they did, and now we needed Jesus. Correct. And so, that's an improvision too. Um grace yeah. is an improvision. <laughs> Yeah. Now, once again, we can have a conversation on pints and perspectives about whether or not God knew that was going to happen. That's a whole. Or if it was a different thing. But no matter what, you have to say God didn't make the world with grace in mind. It was an improvision when we failed. That's right. And so, all all I would want you to know here is that no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at in the way that you have addictions, no matter where you're at in the way, how bad or far gone you think your relationships are, no matter where you find yourself, there's grace for that. That's right. Noah is declared a herald of righteousness. And I don't see very much righteous about him, except that he built a boat. Um, but he had a heart towards God and look, I think Noah's a great example because even when we pursue God, there's trauma that comes in the pursuit. There's damage that happens in the pursuit. And so Noah can be declared righteous not because of what he can do on his own, but because of his heart and posture uh, as a person who desires to seek and follow the Lord.